Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast that dives into all things self-optimization and self-discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katazi, and today we have the brilliant and captivating Matthias Ribbon, aka Grandmaster of Memory, joining us for a fascinating part two on short-term memory, productivity, and focus. Matthias held the Swedish Memory Champion title for three years in a row and was internationally named the Grandmaster of Memory. Matthias laid out the key tenets to great memory in episode 115 called Boost Your Memory and Learning Skills. And if you haven't already checked that out, I highly recommend you do so as it received a ton of positive feedback and I just loved that conversation. In this episode, Matthias leans in on how to strengthen your short-term memory, improve your focus, some hacks for productivity, and the negative consequences of the technology explosion on our brain and our performance. Matthias shares some incredible practical tools that you'll want to explore, as well as getting pretty reflective and philosophical with me on the ruleless tech-heavy world we live in today. I tell you what, this is a powerful, practical, and highly relatable discussion, which should leave you asking some questions of your lifestyle and be motivated to hack back for greater mental performance and productivity. Oh, and I do a live on the mics memory challenge, which was pretty fun and quite surprising. As always, full detailed show notes, including all the reference links and third-party resources are available by clicking the full show notes link in your podcast app. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. And if you do, please support the show by leaving a short five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the absolute world to me. Right, let's do this. We have Matthias Ribbon talking about super practical ways to improve your memory, productivity, and creativity. Okay, so Matthias, thank you for coming back. Thank you for inviting yourself or asking to be on for part two. It was fantastic when we spoke about just a few episodes ago about memory in general. Uh, And for the guys listening, as a recap, Matthias is a memory champion and gave us fantastic insights into visualization as a means in which to really strengthen, improve and open up new avenues of memory retention and learning. It was a fantastic conversation to do. Take a look at that. And I'll put the link in the show notes of part one. But part two, Matthias, you had some ideas really around double clicking into short term memory because we didn't really go there too much, did we? No, exactly. And thanks again, Steve, for uh, wanting to have me back. Uh, I just love talking to you. And uh, I thought I had, uh, if you would be interesting, these points about short-term memory, which really is a necessity in order to get the long-term memory and learning uh, going at its best. So I, my idea was that we should be really practical today and hopefully come with a few totally new angles and uh, tools for people. Okay. Okay. So why don't we key off on kind of where we left things last time? So the last time last time we spoke principally around visualization, uh, like one, one image per page, we spoke about, uh, you know, Teflon brain, we spoke about, you know, these ideas of using images to connect information to so you can navigate through your memory. 
but we were talking mostly around this ability to hold on to useful information in the long yeah, term. Exactly. How how do yeah. we how do we pivot from that discussion? Is it an extension of these concepts, yeah. or is it a new set of concepts we need to think about when we when we think about retaining information for the short term? This will fit together perfectly because, yeah, as you know, I'm an official grandmaster of memory. Uh, my latest book, which we talked about then, Maths Unwrapped, is about new ways of learning maths. And we talked about how to basically learn any kind of useful information. But the thing is that I am really a measuring nerd. I love measuring things. I don't take ideas for granted, but I want to see what works and what doesn't. That, in a way, was what drew me to uh, memory sports in the first place, because it's so it just shows you what works, basically. But in our day and age, you know, to have access to our short term memory is becoming more and more difficult. And I'll tell you how I measured some unusual aspects of this, which has to do with our focus. And I mean, if we don't have our focus in place, nothing else is possible, basically. So that's uh, the key uh, where I would like to start with this information rain that totally pours over us each day. I mean, that that's the situation that we are all in here. I mean, the I see this basically as a rain with, you know, all this information drops that now our days are tailored made to catch and uh, sustain our uh, focus and we, we we cannot take in all of this of course but as i mentioned briefly in the other episode what we have at our disposal sir is like a little you know a kitchen funnel a small kitchen funnel that we you can pour things into bottle with and that's our brain basically we can hold it out in the information rain and catch a few drops then we can move the funnel somewhere else and catch a few other drops. But the thing is that our funnel can never be at the same place as at the two two times. Mm-hmm. As, as you and your listeners are well aware of, multitasking is a total myth. It doesn't uh, work. Uh, we cannot focus on two things at the same time. But what we do is we pull our funnel back and forth between different things. Yeah. That's I mean, what happens just, at the, just when, as when a, we sit down with email. Yeah, yeah. Go I ahead. was just going to say, just a, a, a clarification to multitasking. I agree with you, and uh, I think all the literature says the same. But we can multitask to independent types of activities. For example, listening to a yes. podcast whilst walking, or of driving course. and talking. So we so we can like cons- you know we can use different parts of our brain simultaneously. But this idea of doing two tasks to work tasks for example i mean that that is not effective exactly one one mechanical task we can always do and then think about something else and doing something else in that way but the thing i'm talking about is what requires our focus and you know when people consider themselves good multitaskers they don't uh, talk about walking and listening to podcasts they talk about mailing someone started with one project, someone else calling, another person texting, one project going on there, the next thing coming in, a new colleague comes to ask something. You know, what we do is we move our funnel around between all these things constantly. And this really makes us tired. And this is a huge problem because we haven't uh, finalized the equation of how today to be able to both work focused and be open to things that uh, come up in the moment. 
we need to do both today. You know, that, that it's a quick work environment. We need to do both. Uh, but but there is one way, which is actually not really that known. And just let's throw ourselves into something really practical to start with here. Because what you should always do in the morning when on your way to work or whatever is to formulate one sentence for yourself with one thing, what is the most important thing right now? Really a one task or a one uh, specific project, but but that's, that's it, only one thing. We're so used to have our, I mean, we have our 30 points to do lists of all the stuff that are most important. But the moment we step in through our doors at, at the office, we have to know the one single thing formulated in one sentence. And this thing we write down on a post-it note, separate post-it notes, and put it there in front of us. And then what happens is with our focus, of course, we start to work with this. It was the most important thing right now. Then, of course, our funnel will be pulled away by something. We need to do something, catch a call or help a colleague. Doesn't matter. We can do that. But then the big thing is that after that, we know exactly what to draw our funnel back to. And we continue with the most important thing. So this is again another call and so on doesn't matter but when we know one thing to pull our funnel back to we have actually started to train our focus and it doesn't drain us of energy anymore we become stronger from this so th th this is a super practical one point bullet list that you should always work on not several just one and if you're done with that important task you write a new sentence and up there on a post-it note because we don't what we don't want to end up is is just doing a little bit of uh, this bullet point over here oh a little bit of that oh now this person mailed and i can cross that up going back and forth always behind our own funnel that will drain us and this is measurable also in a quite interesting and unusual way because when I started with memory sports, I was shocked about this extreme focus required. We talked last time about the extreme amounts of information we take in. You know, one of the requirements for uh, becoming a grandmaster of memory, it's in the it's an, another discipline also called uh, yeah deck of cards, one hour deck of cards, where we are shown playing cards as many as we can during one hour. And after that hour, we have to know the exact order of as many playing cards as possible. And I've, I've done over 10 decks uh, with the precise orders after that hour, which means you can ask me of uh, what's the 17th card in the eighth deck and so on, and I'll put it up immediately uh, for you. Wow. So that that's one thing. We talked about that. You have to take in a lot. But the focus required for some of the sprint disciplines, for example, when we only have five minutes for example, to do a um, five-minute numbers, uh, for example. You're shown random numbers, and you can just stare at them for five minutes, uh, and then you have to write down what you can. And I've done over two, exactly 200 digits in the right order after five minutes. And, you know, the focus required there is extreme. You have to have your funnel exactly on place, and, I mean, the moment you are caught away on another thought or something disturbs you in the background or you think about what to eat for dinner and so on, bam, you're out. 
you can basically stop doing it because you've lost immediately so much time uh, and important points. So I, I thought, how the hell can I just this focus thing train it? And what I did to measure and work this out was that I used a computer program which showed me a two-digit, simple one, just showed me a two-digit number on screen for a few seconds, uh, then it went away. Then another one coming for a few seconds, going away. And this just kept on pumping like this. And my task was to keep my focus on this and try to take, of course, in as many of them as possible. But speeding this up slowly and becoming better and better, of course, as you will with training. But then I shifted up a notch in difficulty. I shifted gears and put on loud music simultaneously. When I was going to focus on these numbers, which meant uh, I was, it was impossible, basically. So the funnel getting pulled away from thoughts, from the music, the results dropping. But I didn't give up. I kept on pulling my funnel back to these numbers on the screen. And the, again, it started race, uh, the, the results coming back again to a place, uh, same result that earlier required total silence. But then I shifted up yet a knot, putting up loud volume of people talking. For example, I put on, like, I tried to find the most interesting YouTube documentary I could ever think of. And trying to focus on these numbers simultaneously with these loud voices, again, impossible. But I pulled my funnel back to it again, again, and again. So the results ra raised once more to what was earlier just required total silence. And I mean, these few weeks of intense disturbance training, I just shortly mentioned that word last time, but this is what I did. Just those few weeks have remained with me until this day as almost as a superpower in themselves, uh, because I can always... I have always access to my focus, my funnel, whatever happens around me. It can be the most noisy things going on, but I know I have the presence and power to pull it back always. And this might sound like an extreme uh, practice, but I'm here to tell you that if you use the one point bullet list, it's exactly the same thing. But in your important situation at work, for example, I don't know, Steve, you're, you have a, quite a seclu secluded little uh, cubicle, at least now, but uh, probably mo many of your listeners are in uh, open office uh, space uh, settings. What do you think? Yeah, well, just a few thoughts based on what you've just said. Firstly, I would say, you know, I've, I've worked for most of my life in, in offices and I would prize the time when I could work from home. Not because I was antisocial, I didn't like the people I worked with, but I really didn't get anything done of any merit when I was in the office. Now, I may be, may be an oddity in that regard, um, but I just couldn't get enough good quality focus, attention and output. Um, I, I, I found that the time in the office was more for communication and collaboration and being accessible to people. But when I needed to really buckle down and get some some stuff done, I needed to work from home. Now, we can talk about why that might be for me as an individual, but 
So I, I get... Now, basically, you are all in line with what science says also, because science has now... Good studies have proved that this open office plan is just a fad, basically. Right. It was, it's a cheap option, uh, but it's still... It's, because everyone knows this, that if you sit down and all the time things are moving in the background, people coming up to you, our funnel gets pulled away and we have to pull... It, it, it goes all over the place. So this runs wears us out normally but if we have the one point bullet list exactly as i had my numbers if we have one thing to always pull our funnel back to after destructions we won't be worn out quite the opposite in this way you will actually use the distractions of the open office space to your advantage uh, advantage this so, is the exact thing that will make you give make you a much stronger focus. But you are fucked if you have 20 things that you are constantly trying to do at the same time as these distractions. Okay. Okay. Let, let, let me poke around on this a little bit. And and this yeah. is not not to question not your, sure. Go your ahead. rationale. We together to, I, I just yeah. I just want to understand it because I have I have a few issues with this. Yeah. Um first is I can understand controlled disturbance training being productive but the environment is somewhat um fabricated right because the yeah. pressure isn't on you may apply some pressure to yourself but there's a difference when you feel vulnerable and there's a difference when you have pressure of people looking at you and the need for time like the urgency factor that you know people are yes. expecting you to perform there and then and I, I i've i've had the experience plus i see in many others that they could be calm collected and effective at doing whatever it is they need to retain recite or perform in an environment which is safe and comfortable with noise or out yeah. as soon as you apply the pressure of performance and delivery and expectation yeah. People can quite often crumble. And I can just relate to just simple tasks, such as yeah. maybe, I don't know, playing a game with the kids. And we're playing a little memory game of like, you know, um, you know, uh, trying to find, you know, where the, the, the doubles are in the cards or, um, you know, those kind of sequence games where there's different colors and then you have to hit yeah. the colors afterwards. And then it starts with two colors, then three, then four, then five, mm -hmm. goes to like, you know, big sequences. And just the pressure of playing a game and it's a fun game. Um, I know I... I'll, I'll start off well. And then as you rightly say, something will allow me to move out of focus and then it's gone. There's, I just can't, I thought I had it. I then move away from the visual and then yep. within a few seconds it's gone or I get halfway through the sequence and then the rest of it disappears in my mind. So the, exactly. what, I guess what I'm talking about here is one, talk to me about pressure, not yep. just disturbance. And two, talk to me about how how to retain how to keep focus on things such as yes. sequences because i don't know how to, i don't know how to do that i can academically understand what you're saying mm -hmm. but well the, the pressure yeah great question it, it's exactly on point the thing is with pressure at an office at a normal day of work we are pressured that we have so many people to please we have so much work to go, do so many tasks and you know the most, uh, the heaviest point of pressure, I would say, is, and that's where the difficulty comes in, that we think that these 20 points on our to-do lists are just exactly as important as each other at this very point in time. And what you do then is basically you have the seed 
for what is an uh, exhaustion, perhaps a future exhaustion syndrome where you just hit the wall because then and there you put your brain under a pressure which is completely impossible and an, an insolvable problem right there. So the unusual thing which we haven't solved, that's what this whole thing is. To have a one-point bullet list, what, ha what uh, happens in the brain when you see at your desktop, you have a one uh, piece of paper with one sentence written on it. It's like, wow, something becomes possible. And when there's this easy thing of one thing, then we can handle other disturbances relating to that thing. It's impossible to handle disturbances when we have 20 important things. And the problem for many is that they don't know a sing what single sentence are the most important just exactly when they step in in the morning. So that's a talk you have to have with colleagues and your boss and so on to be able to single out that. And then, so, so that is what I would say the biggest pressure. And then, of course, there is there can be this sort of little stage uh, fright thing or you want to perform an exact task as playing this uh, time uh, constraint thing with your kids and so on. And then, when, but when you have trained yourself to always pull the funnel back to one thing, you become really, really quick at it you become actually so quick that it doesn't look like you've ever been disturbed. That for, for example, when we have this in memory sports, and again, yes, a controlled uh, environment, but when we have trained to pull back, for example, we have speed cards when we have to memorize one deck of cards as quickly as we can. I've done that in 79 seconds uh, officially as the best, which is one and a half second per card uh, without disturbances. But you know, even I am totally disturbed sometimes during this, but I'm so quick at pulling back. So it's just a sort of a tiny tenth of a moment, uh, second, basically. So you cannot even see that. It, it looks like I have a super sharp focus and I can retain 1.5 seconds without breaking that uh, for the whole deck without a problem. So that is a thing that you learn when you always have this mental one point bullet list. Hmm. So, for example, say we talk about a sequence again. You, you, you're playing a game with someone and you're trying to remember a, a sequence of eight to ten colors or, or objects or numbers. But then, then, yeah, yeah. And then, that's not but, really what you get into in everyday work. No, no, just no, no yeah. and I know it's not. But, okay, the relatability to this could be maybe you're having to memorize a presentation and you don't want to look yes. at, you know, you don't want to read every bullet and actually you don't even want a deck. You want to be able to have an organic story and have a flow to it. So you've got this pressure to memorize. And, and I know it can be quite, there's a lot of anxiety build up when people are one, not used to presentations or two, the presentation is important in people that they need to impress or get their approval from is especially if there's complexity into your subject as well. It's like, am I going to remember the direction of travel, the points I want to make? Is it going to be compelling? Um, yeah. But if I take it back to the simple example of just memorizing um, some sequences, my problem is, I, I think I've got it. I'll get halfway, call it a distraction, whatever it is. There's, there's, been, there's been a block, right? I've, yeah. got, I've got five numbers in or whatever it is, and then I can't remember the rest of it. Are mm. you saying that that happens to you sometimes and you forget what comes next and then somehow it comes back? Because I don't seem to get things yeah. to come back. <laughs> Once they're gone, they're gone. 
this is the beauty of when you get the short-term memory and the long-term memory to work together. Because what we talked in the last episodes, to think in images. For example, if you're preparing for this super important presentation that you're going to have, you need focus. But the thing is with the magical thing with thinking in images, it's not just that you can retain tons, it also helps you always to know what to pull your funnel back to. So you can be certain that you will be distracted during those uh, that important presentation. But if you have 10 images that you put together in a smart way, which we talked a little bit about, I also have a free exercise on my uh, web page that you can download called Ribbing's Bike, uh, Ribbing's Bicycle, where you can always have possibility to have 10 totally different points to be certain to come back to, for example, for a presentation. But that's the thing. The images you can always find your way back to. So you will mm. be, so they will serve as this one point bullet list for that, because that's the thing that the brain can also only focus on one image at the same time. So that's that, that you have this beautiful mix and what I, we, what we hope to establish here uh, today between the last episode also. But I, if you can just, just add a few things extra to this to make the image a little bit even bigger, if you're okay with that. Uh, there is one super important study, uh, which I think everyone has to know about, where they wanted to see the impact of new technology on our short-term memory and focus. I don't know if you don't know about this. It was published in 2017, high-quality study, where they gathered together 520 American students who had to perform heavy um, working memory uh, tasks. So they had to do this. But what they didn't know was they were divided in three groups. One group who had their smartphone at their desk, one group had their smartphone uh, tucked away somewhere and the third group with the smartphone in the other room. And of course, it's not surprising to you or your listeners that the ones in the, with the smartphone in the other room perform the best and the ones with the smartphone on the table perform the worst. Have you heard about this study? I haven't specifically, no. So they weren't, no, engage- they weren't engaging with the smartphone, they just had it that's present. The thing. That's the thing. Everyone right. had it in airplane mode. Uh-huh. No one used a single phone Still, they had these huge differences in scores. So they gathered even more persons, redoing it, getting the same results, starting to deep interview these people and see what were the criteria, who uh, failed the most and so on. They saw, for example, the ones who considered themselves, it's not strange, but those who considered themselves the most addicted to their smartphone, they performed, they were even more important to them that it was in another room. But they also asked people the question that, do you think that your smartphone affected your results? And here, of course, everyone said no. They didn't use it. So they did not see any effect at all, but it was so clear when measuring this. So this, I can relate to this. Yes, I, that's it. I've got my phone next to me right now and it's calling at me. It's calling me. <laughs> it is. And we are not aware of it. But what this shows us, and I mean, this sounds like a bad thing, but it's super positive. What it shows us that it's not anymore about willpower. Willpower, that race is gone and lost. It's all about smart strategies. 
That's the thing. So we have to forget everything about sort of being strong, choosing the right thing. No, what we have to do, and this this is the cool thing when we come into a new technology and what has happened in just a few latest years. You know, they thought now for decades, they thought that, uh, wow, we can put all life's different aspects into one and the same device. That's super smart, right? We can have our work, our friends, our leisure time, this everything in the same uh, thing. Super smart, right? But what they, of course, what they noticed, what you start to notice just the these latest years, you know, for me, one of my one of my absolute uh, well uh, best uh, tech investments the latest years was my uh, Casio uh, digital uh, arm watch mm-hmm. an F91W was <laughs> produced in 1991 still in production they haven't changed uh, in design or tech anything you know about this classic yeah. watch yeah, the the thing is, I I haven't had a wristwatch for fifteen years, and it, and and I had not noticed that for over for all this time, you know, thinking what, what what's the time? You think about that when you have something important to do. You take a look at your phone, and immediately there is a small notice from Facebook, and you just think, ah, oh, quickly we'll do this. I'll do this. Oh, I can multitask, do a few things. Then you look up, say, wait, wait a minute, twenty minutes has gone. And then, where were I? Uh, Yeah, what time was it? And you bring your phone back up again. Mm. So that's the thing. What I notice now, and I sound like a complete lunatic. Right now, the latest years, I just think, what time is it? I look at my wristwatch, and I continue with what I'm doing. And this is, it was incredible. Like a new 20 minutes that was totally my own. Like like a space (laughs) in the room that I not had noticed were gone. Yeah. No, no, I, it, you're, you're right. You're right. As much as we, we'd like to say we have agency, we have free agency to uh, control um, our desires or distractions as it relates to our phone. I think most people that at first blush would say they don't have an issue with their phone usage. But then when you push a little deeper and you, you start to say, okay, this is what I do. Do you do this? They, they'll be nodding their heads. I do the same thing. You know, I pick up my phone, I unlock it, and then I close it again. Yeah. Why? Why did he do that? I, I, I don't know. I just felt the need to look at my phone, but there was nothing there. So I just closed it. Even if there was something there, maybe I didn't even want to look. I just, I've got this impulse to see what's, see what's there. Um, I turn off all my notifications, most of them at least. So I don't get notifications. I don't get screen notifications. I still but it's look, not I, enough. I still look at my phone. Yep. Far too exactly. much. Far too much. So now we come to what the actual uh, path is, what we actually have to do. And this leads us forward that we have to place and time design all our tech use. That's the thing, to place and time design it, which means just an example, you know, we've, what, what we've done in uh, this year with the family at home, it, it sounds like a basic thing, but we'll draw some evolutionary conclusions from this also. For example, we put our smartphones now in uh, the hallway, where there's a little uh, box we have there, we put the smartphones there, turned on, uh, when we get home and what happens is it's turned on so of course if uh, if there's a phone call oh we go and answer it there's a text message oh no problem i i, I hear it, it, it's the sound is on so you know you go to one place 
And this, for some people, it sounds uh, familiar, you know, that that uh, when we were stuck uh, with a cord to the wall just from wanting to talk to someone uh, at the s- same place. Uh, but this is how many people and tech nerds even experience uh, experiments today, that they design their different uses to different rooms. Because then something happens, you know, it's still available. All these new things, I want to Google something, I want to check the calendars, I want to do something. But these five meters that I have to walk to do it, it brings a completely new space. It's again, this new space Mm -hmm. for the family among the kitchen table, for example, or in the living room, new space for something. But we still have the tech available. So this is sort of really to be able to cherry pick our tech use. I think, and, I, think you, I think you're right. I mean, one point you're making is, sorry to interrupt, I think it's quite no, a no, profound no, no, no. one, is I'm reading a book at the moment called Second Mountain. It's by a guy called David Brooks. It's got nothing to do with memory, um, but there is relevance. I'm, I'm going through a bit of a, an experience at the moment of, of seeing the world's freedom, liberty, choice, convenience as obviously wholly good, right? We, we, We've fought for the freedoms we have today. We, we've we've worked tirelessly to have the convenience we have around this one device that does everything, and not having rules and uh, you know restrictions, whether it be from government, institution, or or, or religion. Right? Most people are atheists these days in Western mm-hmm. cultures. Uh, the reason I bring this up is, I believe this hyper individualism, this opportunity, hyper freedom that we now have, this hyper convenience is actually starting to hurt us, where we have so much convenience, so much freedom to do what we want, when we want, how we want, with the devices we want, that, and there's no rules, there's no restrictions. As you're, you're talking about restrictions, smart restrictions, to be able to manage your time, energy, em- emotion, mental capacity. But we're not uh, imposing any restrictions, whether it be notifications, use of technology, where we use technology, how we interact with people, what we do, when we do. It's this ultimate freedom that we've been told is, you know, the panacea, what we all want, what we all need, what we fought for. But I actually think freedom's hurting us. And we need to bring some restriction back, not imposed by religion or institution, but self-imposed. Wow, you're putting exactly uh, the finger on the spot here because the one thing technology do is to blow away limits. That's what technology do. It blows Mm. boundaries. Uh, But in this blowing away of boundaries, making the impossible of yesterday possible today, it also blows out earlier boundaries which were between work and Family time, Mm -hmm. for example, there was a clear by nature, a boundary. If you were to work, the only thing you could do was work. And when you're at home, you could only be at home. And it it has also blown the boundaries between different work tasks. Earlier, you were in a phone meeting, then you were on that phone meeting. Or you did a a writing task or you had a different kind of meeting, you know. Now you can do all this. There's no boundaries between it because of uh, technology. So what we have to, the way forward is exactly what you say, to put up new boundaries 
and I mean, th- that's a boring word. It sounds negative, but it's super positive because now we can put up the boundaries where we want them and what's actually best for us, not just that nature has in place, but we can we can shift them. But that's the most important skill that we in our, you and mine, and all the generations, we're trying to get that going. And that's what our, our kids has to learn to become basically a more of a hardcore no-sayer. To put up boundary. That is, I mean, earlier, earlier uh, futurologists they always said, "Oh, the coming generation they have to have all kinds of new skills, flexibility, being being over and uh, everywhere at the same time." That's what technology will do. What we didn't realize it it demands the exact opposite. The new generation needs to put up boundaries with the, with the freedom and capability we never now yeah. have at our disposal. Exactly. The, 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 the um, restrictions are no longer externally imposed which actually created some safety net and some structure for us without the structure without the safety net we're just going to bloody you know self-detonate unless you apply those boundaries yourself but that doesn't mean being as you say being boring or restrictive it means you've got the freedom to set the boundaries and the limits where you want but you need to own setting boundaries because no one else is setting them for you and if you don't have them in place as you say, distraction, fatigue, exhaustion, depression, mental health issues, they're, they're all a result of not having direction and not having yeah. some restriction and not having some meaning because all of that has been blown out of the water with the way in which we kind of operate today. And that's not, I, I think, a deliberate outcome of society, but it is an outcome of how we've organized technology and religion and government is the individual needs to start taking ownership of how they control their time. Yeah, and the, that the reason that this uh, the the cool thing with limits and boundaries is, I mean, that is actually the seed of creativity is always a boundary, because, for example, as you know, when when painting with the kids uh, or drawing, I mean, it's just when they've limited themselves to just the green pen. Yeah. Uh, everything else. I mean, it's that super limiting. What? Just one green. Well, then they can start to draw. Of yeah. course, it's super boundary, uh, putting boundaries on yourself. Uh, yeah. And so that's creativity. And the thing, the realization, uh, and, and you know, here we already have the help possible that we all can take step by step, because as we know, it's not about willpower. We can't set up the same boundary uh, each day anew. That's totally exhausting, as you know, when you try to use your willpower to get things done. But what we knew, need to use is that we have to use technology to set technology boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is all in place, for example, and this will become the new norm. And this has already started at many uh, uh, high performance companies already. For example, such, uh, do you know of the software uh, Boomerang? for example. No. It's an email software that works for both Gmail and Outlook, and it delivers your emails on specific times that you've set. Okay. So, I mean, most people, they would be uh, good to have a email delivered one time in the uh, before lunch, That's one time smart. after. Like May- maybe one time each hour if you have a more sort of outgoing or maybe even more than that. The point is you can set it by yourself. Then that's the first time that you can work in your inbox without having new mm-hmm. er, new 
subjects coming up all the time. I mean, open, it's a horror to open up the inbox if you have something important to fetch from there because you know you're going to be bombarded. And if and you're in, in the office, you have you typically most people have their inbox open all the time. So as soon as, soon as someone sends an email, it's there in your face and it's almost yes, impossible yes, yes. to avoid. Even yeah. if you just want to read it and then move on, you're going to read it and it's going yeah. to distract you. Yeah, that's the first level of not- notifications, get them out of the way. You and I, we're already past that. But this is the next. Because the thought, the old idea that it's good to have an electronic mailman coming up to us with each single letter that will get our full attention, even though we don't really know what's in it. It's ridiculous. In in all other areas of life, we do batching, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and people people have told us maybe I don't you've heard the advice to just check your email at certain times. No one can take that decision again and again and again and <laughs> it's again. <true. laughs> it's impossible. Uh, yeah, so use so, technology to restrict that. I like that. Yeah, and there are all these kinds of uh, technologies which will become and have already started. You know, there, are, for example, there are uh, um, lawyers' office in the U.S., which are the, the most male-intense business you can ever imagine. Who started this? Many people start just oh, well. They they have set up an auto response that uh, I check email at uh, eleven uh, a.m. and uh, at. Uh, 3 p.m. Uh, that's it. So if you need sooner, you have to call the reception, uh, basically. So so all these things. So this would become a new norm, exactly as we've done with other kinds of consuming thing. You know, with food, for example, it's a similar thing that happened to food. It it was a scarcity during our evolution, but now we have more than enough. Mm-hmm. But we still have the scarcity uh, way. Of, uh, our brain still thinks of scarcity. But what we've done is to time and place design the intake of food. We've set up some norms to have always the dessert. You know, we, we've time designed our dessert at home to bring it out after the main course. And people say, well, what? Dessert is such a wonderful thing. Why don't you have it always available everywhere? It's a great thing. <laughs> and now, you know, you need to have some good stuff before and that's become a norm. But digitally, we're still on this level that yeah. I have to have my digital uh, candy uh, bar always um, at my side because, you know, anytime during the 24 hours of the day, I might have the urge and then I have to I have the right to have it. It's ridiculous. There's a couple of things here for that I've, I've, I've got to key off. So, firstly, um, what I love about this conversation, and I hope our audience will too, is we had a conversation with a guy called Nir Ewell, who's um, I don't know if you heard, heard of him. He's written a book called Indistractable. He has been um, he's been a, a counselor and a coach to tech firms to create um, compelling technologies, but he's also written books for the consumers on how to engage with compelling technologies. And his book is called Indistractable. It is fantastic, but we had him on the podcast and the conversation is almost an exact copy of this. Different oh. di- different ideas, but the idea for him is, one, you need to time box your life. He's, he's less about tasks. That's the one point do- bullet list. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> between 10 and 12, I'm not going to focus on the outcome. I'm going to focus on the task whatever the task is that I've decided, but I predetermine what I'm going to do. And I'm to make sure that I like myself and I'm happy with my day, I need to do what I said I was going to do. 
I said I was going to do something between 10 and 11. I'm going to do it between 10 and 11. What I get, however, however far I get, it doesn't matter. Like you, Time Box, you're re- writing of your, your new book every morning. You, you've got into that regimen and it serves you because you're you're focused on that one task. His whole thing is time boxing, using technology to restrict technology. Just as, And he's got some tools and tech, techniques that he suggests in his book. And we mentioned some of those on a podcast. But his his main kind of thesis is that technology by itself is not the problem because every we've we've had this problem time and time again you know whether it be with cigarettes or whether it be around other tech other yeah. technologies we've used we've we've overconsumed we've overindulged we haven't had rules and regulations everyone's just gone crazy on it and then eventually we realize we've gone too far and then either the regulation the technology providers or the individuals start imposing restrictions. And I think that's where we're at right now with smartphones. And don't get me wrong, smartphones are amazing. My business wouldn't exist if it wasn't for smartphones and technology. But it's now up to me, not, not Apple, not Google. It's up to me to create a relationship with my technology, which is healthy. And I think we're, we're trying to work out how to do that because it is incredibly addictive. You know, you do just want to keep looking. I can't, I can't leave the house without my phone. There's an anxiety that builds when I do that. So, you know, there's there's a lot going on emotionally yeah. and psychologically. And yeah, of course. And tech is, I mean, it's uh, like some, uh, a good saying on this is that it's not information overload, it's uh, filtering failure. And that's what we're working on right now. And we're solving it step by step. This has just come up in the later uh, later years. But for example, my uh, a close friend of mine, Chris, mine, uh, Chris Dancy, he's known as the world's most connected man. I mean, this is a guy you should have on your podcast. He is he is a literal cyborg with all his technology, and he lives a totally different life than anyone else. But the, he is also very very wise because what he done is that he used he tailored made all his tech to serve his long time goals and his uh, values. So all there's there's no single default settings on his technology, and he programmed the stuff that didn't exist himself. So he lived this life for a long time by doing designing his own tech, and it's so super interesting. And then, for example, tech has is writes very openly about that in his book, Don't Unplug, uh, but about his his vulnerabilities and how tech has helped him solve many deep issues in his life which wouldn't have been able to solve otherwise. So the thing is how we use it. And then everyone, get on your feet and tailor-made your tech design. Time and place design it. Mm. It's there and then we can live it. But people have just talked about it earlier. Now we're starting to do it. And one more important thing is, you know, having one thing to pull your funnel back to, I mean, this might remind you of some deeper practices that, the, of course, that this way of brain training, it's been known for thousands of years. Meditation. That's what you do. You pull your funnel back. When you meditate, you pull your funnel back to one thing. It might be the breathing or parts of the body and so on. And we've always known that this is something that really trains us. But to get an, an Extra important thing. I don't. Are you into meditation and this stuff on your podcast? Sorry, I'm not r- really sure. What, what, yeah, we've had Danny Penman, who's a leading uh, leading speaker um, when it comes to meditation and mindfulness. And I practice some mindfulness, but it's not uh, with the level of 
consistency that I would like. But yeah, when when I do it, when I when I offer myself up a few minutes to just really be with myself and not have other competing things in my mind, it's it's a beautiful thing. And yeah. um, I, I get a lot more out of the day when I just give myself five or ten minutes to just compose my brain. Yeah, that's one thing. That but mindfulness is. Uh, I don't know if you, th- because that's, if we get into one one more level, because mindfulness can actually hurt your creativity. Okay. And these are super fascinating studies, you know, you in mindfulness, you basically, you pull your funnel back to one thing. It might be the breathing and might be, and this, I mean, that's good because what, what it does, it relaxes you, it gives you focus. But there's another thing which is even more in need to today, I would say, is what happens when we completely let our funnel go. There are other kinds of, you know, more Vedic uh, kinds of meditations. Uh, when you have a mantra that you go, just mm-hmm. leave on mechanical, just a springboard to let your, not keeping focus, but to basically just connect out there to the universe, letting whatever happens to the brain go deeper in itself by itself, not bringing yourself out of that uh, thing with pulling back all the time. And that is just also what happens when we sort of allow ourselves to mind wander, to sort of daydream, not to do focus tasks. Because that that's one thing that people in the productivity uh, circles misses. They think that, oh, it's perfect. I can always have a good uh, YouTube. Uh, I could always have a good podcast on. I could always quality information more and more and more all the time. But, uh, you know, when we just take a walk or we do something where we let our uh, mind just go off making the dishes or just, again, something mechanical, uh, true multitasking, then what happens uh, is they have, they have seen a new areas in our brain that are being activated. Mm. They call it the default mode network. Yes, do, I've heard Do you know that. about this? Yes, yeah. I have. And, and that's a magic thing. That's when the new information are, they, 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 we, we focus basically on two things in the uh, default mode networks. That is, we see, we think about who we are in this, it's like self-reflection, who we are, where we would like to go, what values we have, what are dreams, hopes, who am I right now? And that's a huge difficulty that people don't have these thoughts when you constantly stimulate uh, your your funnel and your uh, thing uh, all the time from the outside. So that is just... And to be able to have, to take in a podcast, for example, you should have, after listening to a podcast, if it was something important to you, you should put away time. You can time box it as uh, need uh, would do, but you to have the walk where you don't take in, because then you also think back autobiographical to your previous experiences, to other things you've learned. Mm. That's the key. That's the only, then this can happen that we talked about in the other, we talked about these techniques that using mental images to take in new information. What we do then is we actively uh, take, connect new information to our old experiences, which in inner images are just previous experiences. But this has to have a time in the default networks. So we just put time off where we just walk without the podcast. And this is an incredible brain booster. This is becoming smarter, doing nothing. I, I totally 100% agree. And it's only been 
a realization that I've been conscious of maybe over the last month or so, Matthias. So mm. I, I, I walk most mornings. I take the dog out for a walk. I've got beautiful countryside to go out and explore. Um, but I, for the most part, the last couple of years, I've had earphones in listening to something. And I, I adore listening to podcasts. I like good mm good debate about subject matters I like and yeah. you know I usually put it on one and a half time speed as well so I'm consuming even faster than normal me too yeah um, because I just want to get through it because some of these are quite long form um and I enjoy it there's nothing I don't like about it but I have started to experiment choosing not to put anything on and I, I guess this is where it came from I would go listen to a podcast um and either the podcast was great and it was running long and I I wanted to finish it because I'm, you know, almost there. So I would delay other activities to finish it. That's number one. Number two, I would normally have a shower after I come back from from my walk. That's like it's my morning kind of thing. And I have a cold shower and there's a bit of breathing in there. And I always found at that, that time, because I didn't have any sound on, it's five to 10 minutes in the shower and it's a bit of breathing, that that would be the time when I would bring these like new thoughts in. And like, I'm thinking about stuff that you know, I didn't expect yeah. to think about in a shower, but it's coming too. And I'm like, wow, I've got to get out and write this down quickly <laughs> whilst I'm <laughs> still wet. The, showers, <laughs> yeah. the new ideas come where we solve our most exactly. difficult problems. Exactly. It's brilliant. Yeah. So I'm getting these ideas in the shower and go, huh, I'm doing nothing. And yet like there, I'm getting the greatest level of creativity happening there and then. And then I'm like, okay, hang on a minute. Let me take this one step further. How about I go out for a couple of days and just not put anything in my ears. Go and walk. It sounds like it's a bit of a waste of time, but let me go do it. And I come back with more business ideas, more things to explore. So I end up being more productive. And then I guess the last point, and this was like the nail on the co- nail in the coffin, is I would often find I would be almost fatigued after listening to a podcast in the morning because I'm consuming. I'm going yeah. off in a tangent I didn't expect. I had a plan for the day, but I've listened to something so engrossing that it's just allowed my brain to kind of engage with that thought even when the podcast is off and now I'm off on a different tangent and my brain's a little bit fatigued I've been thinking about a whole bunch of stuff and then I get down to do my work and I'm almost kind of done already I'm like yeah that's not good enough like I want to be fresh and ready so I totally agree with you there's that that walk-in with nothing which sounds ridiculous because we've been doing that for most of our evolution but most recently we've decided to have something in our ears but something really great about that and it's not about spirituality you'll be i think you can find some calmness there i think it's about creativity i think it's of about course. energy yes and so that's why I always i have my uh, special no input work days that's what i call them okay i will have a no input work day here and no input and then i know that from getting up in the morning i really I love taking the shower fixing the coffee but it's a no input because i have too much important stuff to create, for example, now when I uh, write my book, it's uh, like those are heavy, no input mornings mm. because so nothing beforehand. You, you're yes. just going, your brain's going straight into this after your coffee. And I think that's, you've got to do that, right? You do too many things beforehand and you're just fatigued. Create, and the thing is that right? you are a, con- you're a con- consumer. And if, if you consume all the time, the only thing that happens with you, if you constantly have new podcasts on, what well, the best thing that might happen is that you can retell some of the ideas that you've heard, but you become a total parrot. Uh, so you become what you consume when we allow the default networks to activate these parts of our brain. We make 
we become the producers. I mean, we, nice. we, we turn the, uh, instead of being a consumer, you, you make these ideas your own. You see new angles, you see new things. And then, ah, and all of a sudden you have your own things. I mean, that's all, all inventions are just the putting together of all inventions. Yes. So that's the thing. You become something, someone who produces, at least you produce your own life. You're just not a, a bleak copy of uh, somebody else's life. Because if we consume, for example, all the time social media, the best thing we could do is just to uh, retell and try to relive as uh, we become what we consume, bleak copies of that. Instead, we can let's produce our own life. And that we need our default brain uh, network. It's crazy to say that, you know, our, our recommendations as we're getting smarter are becoming simpler. Aren't they? <laughs> uh, it's incredible. And ah, people have known it for thousands of years. And uh, we have to rediscover this all the time. But th the wonderful thing with technology is it's there. I mean, all these kinds of uh, tools such as... Uh, uh, yes, yeah, self-control for Mac, for example. I've used that uh, to write my last books on it 100% of the time. You know that it, it's software that blocks out everything, okay. uh, internet access for the time that you put in. It's a free thing for Mac. It's really good. Uh, it, it blocks out everything. You can have leave a whitelist on if you have important pages that you need to go to. But it blocks out the internet for the time you set. And it's not possible to uninstall the program or uh, restart the computer. You're screwed, basically, if you've started a session like that. But, but when I tell people about that, they think it's uh, ridiculous. That why you, you have your own self-control. Why don't you just use that? And yes. Probably I have one of Sweden's most trained focuses that there is. <laughs> and I still yes. use a ridiculous thing as self-control because I know that willpower is nothing. I have to use uh, smart strategies is everything. I knew, use, can need every ounce of willpower for the actual thing I want to do to live my life, mm. to do it. So don't, just let the tech help us set the boundaries so we can go behind the wheel in our own car. That, that's what it is all about, that this new technology, it, it, for the first time, we now that's the positive thing. We can get behind the wheels and really decide how we want to take our life further. We have everything there. We have all the knowledge. Now we have the tech to help us. Just do it and not just not talk about it. And you, you need to promise me you're going to listen to episode 109 with Nir. Oh yeah, yeah, he, he is, he's phenomenal, and the conversation. I mean, you you just got you you're both on the same page, exactly ah. on the same page at the moment, and I think you'd really enjoy his conversation and just him as an individual. So, mm -hmm. please check that out. Now, I I, I, I want to do one little experiment. So we've been talking about you know memory, and then we kind of, we went off on a tangent today, which I've loved by the way. Um, I hadn't expected it, but I want to pull us back to some of your work for a second. So. You said you've, you obviously you've got this book out that's um, been converted into English, Maths Unwrapped. So it helps uh, people master the basics of maths and actually to a quite high degree. I'm only halfway through and it's reminded yeah. me of some of my secondary school work and late secondary school work at that as well. So great book, very interesting, um, quite you know full on. You know you have to really engage with it. You can't just read it. You have to do all the work as well. But um, I'm really enjoying it. 
But, but you don't have to make up your own exercises, which is what I always hate when you just get advice and then you have to make up. Here you're actually, we follow you each step. Oh, yeah, step. yeah. No, I, I, yeah. absolutely. Pen and paper, you've got the questions <laughs> and you're going for it. But there's there's one thing I love about it is um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this live. There's this thing called the, I think you call it the maths car. Yeah. Yeah. So just for the audience, um, a bit of a spoiler alert part of the, the it's the... not a spoiler i mean that's the whole thing <laughs> okay. that we be you build up an inner world of images yes you, you build that up so you can always own your knowledge that's the whole thing so that you can get back to it you can find it and you can uh so you you can do it in your own way exactly so you spoke about this car and the car is not a metaphor for anything really it's just a car that you will navigate around and you'll insert tools into the car and those tools represent um an intention or an action that you'll do for various maths problems and then you can bring back those tools when you have to solve certain problems so without trying to go into what the tools are i just want to see if i can pull some of them back now this is just spur of the moment and i might get this completely wrong but i the last time i picked your book up was about three days ago because i've been pretty full on with some other stuff and i've had a lot of things going on in my head so i've not been no, Play, no, no. I've not been playing with this, but let's see if I can pull it back. So let me just say, it's not going to make a lot of sense for people, but this will just give you a <laughs> sense of retention capability. So it talks about a car that's pointed to the left. So you see it from kind of side and front. And on the bumper, it's got a deck chair. And on the deck chair, it's got uh, a thermos that sits on the, 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 the actual seat itself. And it's got an ice bucket that sits on one of the arms. And then as you move from that, you then see that the bonnet's up. and the Which bonnet's... is about negative, uh, working with negatives in the, uh, or whatever the English word. Yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and yeah, we won't the, go all into... All these are small things. We won't yeah. go into what they yeah. are, but then then you go to the, the, the front of the, the car and the, the bonnet's open and it's been held open by a ladder. Um, I might forget some of the, the all the details, but there's a ladder. And then as you go to the windscreen, there's a big, black, big uh, paintbrush with black paint dripping from it. Then you go to the, the the top of the car and you have like a, a, a red pot of paint. On top of the pot of paint, there is a rocket ship. Um, and then you go to the side of the car and by jammed into the handle of the car, you've got a pair of scissors. The pair ah. of scissors are open and then there's a piece of string holding the two handles together. How you together. work with fractals, uh, uh, fractions uh, is the English word. Yeah, yeah. Now, exactly. I know, I know there, oh, sorry. Oh, and, and then on the... the um, What's inside the car? Do you remember that? I've definitely. I'm just gonna. I've definitely got to the headlights. The headlights have. This this could be a useful thing uh, for the audience immediately. Just the thing as we have the percentage mountain inside the car. I don't think I've got to that actually. Maybe I haven't got to that. Um, And then in the headlight, there's there's a bit of fence stuck in the headlight, and in and in the fence there's a sword, and then on the top right hand side of that fence there's a ledge with a black rabbit and in the rabbit's mouth there's a marble oh, and then wow. there's and then there's a white rabbit that funnels under the the fence and also jumps over the fence now all this sounds bizarre and absolutely random i'm just i'm just wanting to show you that I like, i've not dedicated any energy to that i've not written it down i've not practiced practiced it but just through the reading of your book and the visualizing that you asked me to do and there's no images that you've offered me i just had to create those images for myself i've Remember, remember this random collection of stuff that's connected to each other that feels imprinted now 
And each one of those, and I could go through them, but I won't, each represent an element of maths that you help teach. That is quite incredible because I don't regard myself as someone who can remember that kind of stuff. I've got good thematic memory of like, you know, topics and things and, you know, scientific stuff. And, you know, I seem to be able to grasp complex subjects quite well and then hold on to them. But when it comes mm. to just random things being remembered in order, I've always considered myself pretty shit at. So um, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed oh. by the power of that experiment when I mean, having committed straight, anything to it. Straight from your heart without preparation, you went through over 20 uh, themes there. Control, not missing a thing there. So if you can do 20 things in that way, you can easily have them connected to, well, as we do in the book, to math stuff. But it could also easily have been 20 important points in a presentation, for example, which could easily add on to these. I could and see then, that yeah. yeah, and then, for example, it doesn't matter if there is stress around you. You know what to pull your funnel back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, there was the car. Oh, yeah, the headlight. Oh, yeah, that. Oh, and then you just pick it up and you become quicker and quicker to pull your funnel back. So that's how this uh, long-term memory and the short-term memory helps each other when you work on them both. It's quite impressive. It's quite impressive. that I, 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 was, I, I was a believer when we spoke, uh, this idea of visualization. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, actually, I think I do it without realizing. Yes. But, so many but, of us But do. being deliberate, in in using you know deliberately choosing images to create and retain information going through your book has made me realize that there's there's untapped power for me that i need to devote some attention to but it does require deliberate conscious attention to take ownership of this i, I you know I, I can't just say okay visualization is the way forward to memory and now it's done because you have to work at it right you have to work at creating images and and attaching things to it and if you're thinking about a presentation for example at work you need to put the time in to create those images for yourself um if you expect yourself just to do it because you now have this new idea of visualization i think good visualizers will just do it and that's what i think i don't know you tell me i think that's what separates people that are naturally either intelligent or great retainers of information from those who aren't is that i think they just have a knack of connecting the dots and creating visualizations and they don't even realize they do it whereas kids or adults that struggle with retaining information i think they just have poor visualization muscle you know muscle development they've not deliberately worked at it your thoughts on that yeah exactly i mean some people cracked that code uh spontaneously when they were just kids starting Mm. out in school oh they saw what the teacher said. They didn't listen, but they saw it and they visualized it. They did, never thought about it, but they cracked that code immediately. And then year after year after year, they've trained this. And of course they become great, never having a problem in school. But other people don't naturally crack that code. So we have to learn it. And what I try to show is that every, if even if you haven't done it before, if you get these basic that we talked about in the last episodes to always visualize uh, large in the size of a yoga ball, for example, three-dimensional uh, dimensional, and just using uh, common objects 
uh, that you already know. I mean, then bam, 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 you get step to step uh, for it. And the next I would to really, because it doesn't need that much training. If you do like we did with the math car, for example, with uh, a car to do the 10 point bicycle exercise that I have, then you can sort of, you can master this for in 10 minutes because doing the same thing with putting uh, in a specific order on, place them on the parts of a bicycle. And it's not just any order, but you do it exactly from left to right in the same way again and again. After 10 minutes each day for four consecutive days, you have mastered uh, to always being able to fully take in and control 10 completely different uh, points uh, or topics without uh, nervousness, hesitation, but with completely secureness. So anyone can, okay, it takes four days, 10 minutes each day. If you use the bicycle exercise, you're there then. And you can immediately use it for a presentation at work after these four days. Are you suggesting so using this bicycle as a, there's points on a bicycle that you can place things you need to remember? And, it can yes. be, and you can use this over and over again, not just once. Over and over again. That's right. the thing. This is like a 10-point uh, uh, bullet list from, for your head that you always rewrite. And the brain, we, when you get, have controlled visualization, you can always rewrite, write over old things right. with you. Because the brain will remember the latest connections best when you do it. So that's yeah. like always having this mental uh, notepad in front of you that no one can see, but do uh, the same thing during a conversation. Oh, they mention some interesting leads that I want to follow up. I take mental notes. No one sees that I'm doing it. But oh, the, all the 10 things. And then later, if I want to recall something of it or have the presentation, it's like I have this mental notepad in front of me during this huge presentation. So I don't need to worry. I just pull my funnel back to the notepad, which are the inner images. So that's the, the cool thing. So I just want to stress this, that it doesn't really require more time than this to have the first initial super useful results. I love that. love that. This has been great, man. Uh, I, I thought it would be, and it, it's been better than expected. I, I know that we've kind of gone into some areas maybe deeper than you'd anticipated. I just want to give you the chance to just kind of go through your mental checklist. Was was that most of the things you were hoping to talk about today, or is there anything we've missed? Yeah, just one thing I can just tell you that sort of the the ultimate tool that gives you more hours in the day which was, I mean, a shock to me when writing books. As I, as I always measure my results, I know how much time it takes for me to write the book because I know exactly how many uh, letters, uh, in Sweden we count letters, not words, uh, for uh, for an average day, and I kind of put it up. But I, this single tool uh, made me write twice the amount all of a sudden. And that's the magic of the Pomodoro method, and everyone probably have heard about it. Uh, do, do you know it's, about it's that? Not, it's not coming to me. Not, not ah, yet. Okay. Oh, <laughs> do you have another five minutes? Because it, let's this go. Also, let's go. Yeah. This has changed my way of seeing efficient work forever. Uh, so what you do, I mean, this is such a treasure. It changes your perception of time. So the result is pretty much you had more hours that day and you can't understand what happened or how you got there, but it's there. The results are in front of you. So this incredible uh, result, you will get them immediately. 
the first time you try this. But when I tell you exactly now how to do it, it will sound a little too simplistic. So you just think, okay, well, that's nothing. And then you just work as you usually do. But if you try this fucking thing one thing one time that I will tell you now, it will change your life forever. I'm listening. Go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when you have a task that only you can do that requires focus, you set a timer for 25 minutes. Super important. Not more, not less. You work that time without distractions. Mm-hmm. Then the bell rings and then you immediately, you take your uh, forced break, as I call them to myself, because I hate, I've always hated breaks. You know, when you're in uh, up in speed, you don't want to get out of that flow. Yeah. But you forcefully, I know you, I sit at the computer. I don't even, I might have all these important ideas I want to type out. I stop mid-sentence wow. immediately. Okay. Then I get up, uh, put the timer on five minutes, then just walk mindlessly around, staring out of the window to- like a total brain dead person for five minutes, which we now know activates the uh, default mode networks in the brain, uh, just letting the funnel go. And then the bell rings again. You can do another uh, Pomodoro set, which is another 25 minutes uh, and then five minutes break. You, you can work like this for, you can do it for four times, then you need to take 15 minute breaks and then you can move on and on again. But the cool thing with our focus, what happens is that when I get back to my forced break, after my five minute breaks uh, there, I look at the computer, I see half a written sentence. Oh, super easy. I just fill that in and I'm immediately in focus. There's no restarting okay. in this. That, that that's the opposite of how we usually take yeah, breaks. It, by it the sounds way, destructive, does it? It sounds like you're uh, uh, you're in uh, uh. you're in flow state and you just disrupt the momentum and you might not be able to get it back again. But you're saying that no. that doesn't happen. Now the key is not to finish what you do. That's the that's the wrong way we have taken breaks mm. up till now. You know, we we write we we we're scared to stop once we're up and going. We push ourselves. We finish that task and then. We allow ourselves a break. Then we come back after the break. We have something completely new to do. Then there's always a little bit of checking this before, checking that before, and then boom, 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 boom. Next boring task. After quite a while, we get going again. And then we don't dare to take a break. What happened when writing like this? I noticed immediately something big. And that was I didn't get tired. And this was a huge revelation. I didn't get tired. I thought, wait, something is happening here. Normally, all my writing, you know, I'm writing my fifth book right now. Uh, and, you know, I norm how it was before. I wrote maybe one hour, two hours, three hours, four, uh, maybe, or whatever it took that day. And then I was completely out of it. Now, with the Pomodoros, I could easily do 20 Pomodoros which takes exactly 11 and a half hours if you put in one hour of lunch in between there also without getting tired. Hmm. And that was, it's, you have to try it to believe it. And after a full day like this, where you're still energetic, producing, I mean, creative, focused, uh, important work, you look back after a day like this. I mean, the only thing you sort of can consciously remember is, Jesus, I've had a lot of breaks today. (laughs) 
Then you look at the, what you've done and you think, whoa, what week did I start this? But wait a minute, it was all today. Wow. It's incredible. So this, it sounds so simple, there is, but there is a lot of these, uh, it's a cocktail of super powerful ingredients in this. I mean, this flexing about having something to focus on with our funnel and the five minutes going into the default mode networks in like uh, mindlessly in the brain, that gives the brain, it loves to come back into focus after a break like that. And it loves getting to the brain. There's no, not these transitions times that are always the, the toughest ones. So that that is... The, the the cool thing you have it's I can in my last uh, few books my last two ones and this as well I have not written a single word outside a Pomodoro uh, session. Wow! I'm a total addict uh, to tell you the truth. <laughs> uh. I do you know what? I, and this this is this is part of the problem is that you know if you think about you know Margaret Thatcher Thatcher or you think about uh, Elon Musk or you think about these kind of work addicts these people that produce have produced fantastic results in their lifetime and are considered, you know, 18, 20 hour a day people, uh, you know, really kind of hurting themselves from a well-being yeah. perspective. However, they're producing phenomenal work and output. Um, I've prided myself on my my endurance when it comes to tasks. And I think a lot of people would say, bloody hell, Steve, like you can go and go and go. Like if you're on point, you know, I could get started at nine o'clock at night, which is a bad habit. And I might not stop until three o'clock in the morning if there's something I need to get done because I'm a complete finisher and it's a bit of a you uh-huh. know, it's a strength and a weakness right of course um, but I've always pr- prided myself on this ability to endure but mm. not endure pleasantly it's not a pleasant enjoy uh, enjoyment I- I'm going through it it's hurting I'm tired my eyes are crossing over I do know I need to get get away from the desk but you know it looks like I'm only 20 30 minutes away from done now I'm just gonna push I'm going to push mm. and get it done. And it's not 20 minutes, it's an hour, but I still push. And I need to go for a wee. I need to go and get some water. I need to, you know, just stand up and stretch my legs, but I don't because I'm yeah. in the zone. So I, I, I think that's productive, but I know in the moment I'm not my best self, but I persist anyway. Yeah. And what you're saying is that's actually counterproductive. Yeah, well, you have a lot of good things. For example, you do the keto diet. That's super important for me also to be able to retain focus and have this mental stamina and so on. But if we cover all these aspects, uh, for example, with the best. Yes. Uh, So so there's, of course, this diet, there's the sleep. I mean, the important thing evolutionary to have a really good uh, circadian rhythm going for you, or uh, not sure about the English word, but having uh, real uh, quality sleep, super important, all these things, and these exact work uh, strategies, then you're sort of covered for all directions to be able to retain quality, health, I mean, we want some energy over for our families when we get home, right? Of course. That, that, that's why I still... And unfortunately, work, work addicts like myself, workaholics, we, uh, we, uh, we sacrifice sometimes the, you know, the joy of life. We sacrifice the family yeah. because we're, we're leaning in. The pendulum is fully swung in the direction mm. of work. But there is another way. 
No, yeah, exactly. Uh, there is, and we have this so because we, th that's the thing that we so many times we work against how our brain works. Mm. Uh, so that's we can always look back on ev evolution for good answers why this is so with with tech with all these things. But working against our brain, the, the the thing is when we learn to instead of using the full power to cooperate with it in all its glorious aspects. It's not tougher at all. I mean, then, then enjoyment, you can, en enjoyment comes in of this. The, 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 the wonderful feeling during the Pomodoros, for example, when the, when the bell rings, oh, I get to go into a break. It's wonderful. And then it rings again. Oh, I get into another session. Sounds like Pavlov's, yeah. Pavlov's dogs a little bit, exactly. doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> it's a great ring. My office neighbors, they hear, oh, he's at it again with his bell. Uh, yeah. Go get him some food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But th that's the cool thing. It's like, you know, when getting back, seeing half a written sentence the brain loves that and then it's ready it. to chew on it so I'm they, try this, that. And, you know and i'm easily up to you know before when deadline approaches uh i can do the when you know when you're up to like 32 uh pomodoros uh of writing that's exactly from 6 a.m in the morning to 1 a.m at oh night God. with just two with two uh hour uh twice uh food breaks uh for that wow, wow. okay last question last question because i i, I think it would be remiss of me not to ask this you've spoken about the one bullet list powerful you've spoken about the idea of putting your funnel in one place and allowing yourself to capture and fully engage however i know based on my prior life and this life and many other people i know we don't just have one thing on our list and quite often you might have days where you have 20 to 30 small things. Now you're talking about a project, you're talking about something important. And I'm not saying people don't have the one project, the one thing that's the most important. But the other shit needs to get done too. the, yeah. the, you know, back and forth of emails that are coming in, you know, the handling of orders, the, you know, the customer service type stuff the you know, the, the stuff around the house, you know, the balance in your books, whatever it is, this stuff, this small stuff that isn't important, but needs to be done. Um, and if you don't do it now, it's just going to stockpile. It, it is important. Making so, the, doing so how, the dishes is the most important thing. So how do you handle when, say, someone might be hearing this and going, you know what, I haven't got the one big project. Maybe I should have, but I don't. I just have lots of stuff I need to do every day. How do I handle, how, how do I feel happy, productive, get my stuff done when I don't have the project? I just have all this, uh, you know, lots of bits, lots of bitty stuff all the time. Yeah. The thing, and, and I mean, one person's project might consider, might be, uh, con consist of all these small things. I mean, you, such and I, also, we are entrepreneurs. We have to do all the things. We don't have an e economy department to do that and do this. We, that's our life as well. Yes. So the, the key, so it's not that different. The, the major shift is this, I would say, to have to always know the one sentence right now that is a little bit uh, more important than the rest, to be able to have that in front of you. And then when you know that you've done the most important thing, because I've in the I've past, I've had so many days, you know, you think you've done a lot, you've done a bit this, this and that, but you realize you haven't even started the thing that you came in to do. Uh, so that's, that's prioritization, even among those smaller things. I mean, you have to, when you are with the kids, that's your one bullet uh, point list to be with the kids. 
And then the funnel will, will pull the way you think about word think. No, pull it back to that one point bullet list. The kids here now, this game we're playing, mm. nothing else. So then that uh, becomes, so that's, uh, yeah, it's all about the priority and letting the other things go. Because, okay, you might the, some of the smaller things down the list, you might have gotten them down or, or you might have not gotten them down, but at least you got a few, a few pretty important things uh, done and you can be happy with that. That's, that's how life, we, we have to learn to say no, put up boundaries, leave things, not caring about them. That's the thing. Yeah. Not thinking that 30 things are the most important at the same time, then we're screwed. Yeah. Cool. Well, good enough answer. I mean, it's not a perfect answer because <laughs> it, does, it doesn't dissolve the, the responsibilities, but it does, uh, yeah. it no, does accept that there, there are a level yeah. of priorities needed and, and focus. Family yeah. is super important. That's, uh, that should be sort of the top there. And that, if you go into the default mode networks, that also helps with relationships. That steers the brain to think about it. That's evolutionary, a super important things to it. So if you only focus on our sort of work, bullet lists and we don't have access to our default mode networks because they are of course they are turned off when we have to focus you know when a bush out on the savanna uh, makes a sound it has to sh immediately shut off all deeper ponderings of what's important like because it's life or death right there and when we have when we turn off the default mode networks that also see ourselves that we didn't go into that but it, what important part of it is that it focuses on our relationships and who are we in relation to other people so that's evolutionary important to prioritize that love it love it cool well um i think i think that's a wrap <laughs> don't you <laughs> absolutely cool starting with finishing with the most important thing here we didn't start with it but uh well, let's make exceptions to to rules here absolutely absolutely um loved it as as i would have as i expected uh your book maths unwrapped obviously available across amazon and most uh most of um, online stores i'll put a link to that is there anything else um again sorry i put a link to your website as well um i'll see if i can find a link to the bicycle uh yes memory I'd, thing otherwise i can send that to you and you can put up it on your own that. website because people just need that okay period. okay all right we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get a link to that as well any other plugs uh the new book obviously a bit too premature to talk about at the moment is there anything else that people need to know before we close on this uh, no, you can have, as I promised your listeners in the last episode, if you put out a good rating on Amazon on the book, uh, you will get uh, free uh, stuff uh, for me that's useful to you if you email me. Just uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, no, slagging thing. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. And no, feel free. Cool. Fantastic, Matthias. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for the Pomodoros. I am definitely 100% going to try that. I'll let you know. I'll get on. I'll let you know how I finish uh, with the Maths Unwrapped as well. I'll make sure I put a review up for you as well. And uh, this will come up in a couple of weeks' time. Um, share as we have done before. And I hope you as listeners are enjoying this discussion, enjoying, I think, the reality and the simplicity that I think we keep returning to on this podcast, which is as much as we learn, as deep as we go, as much fantastic science as we have and technology we have, we keep returning to the simplicity of life. It's the simple stuff that are most powerful. So thank you for your time, Matthias. Thank you for everyone. Thank listening. you so much, Steve, for having me. You're doing an amazing job with the podcast and it's a joy to talk to you. 
If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.